Uh, welcome, everybody, to a brand new program on the Pod Show Network, um, which could be titled a number of things. We chose no agenda, uh, but it could be the show with no uh, imaging, no, <laughs> no, uh, uh, no content yet. Uh, the only thing it is is two guys with an idea of putting together a, what should we call it, John? A... Agendaless show. Agendaless show, exactly. <laughs> uh, John C. Dvorak in uh, California, Adam Curry here in London. Something we cooked up, uh, what was it, in like a four-minute phone call. Hey, we should do a show together. Okay. Uh, let's call it No Agenda. Okay. And here we are. Uh, well, we've... of course, the basis for a show like this, uh, and I think everybody out there who's, who's ever had a con- or who has con- conversations with friends, they occasionally, especially when the conversations go on and on, say, you know, that would have been an interesting thing for other people to listen to. True, true. And, and I think basically, uh, and I've, I've actually thought about doing a show with my wife because sometimes she does a news analysis over the phone sometimes. That's pretty, pretty astonishing. Uh, have you ever heard and, uh, the shows I do with Patricia, with my wife? Yeah, same kind of thing. It's great, right? In when fact, you just have a conversation, yeah. And, right. I think, you know, to some extent, Don and Drew and some, almost everybody who, you know, like to chat yep. uh, pretty much um, provides this kind of inter- entertainment. So, but, you know, this week, well, I mean, we were starting off, we were running on Skype for anybody out there. So, and Adam being in London is going to probably going to, we're going to step on each other once in a while. But this week, uh, Adam did a thing. Uh, an interview with the senator, or no, I guess he's a congressman. Congressman, yeah. Where's he from? Texas. The Texas congressman Ron Paul. Republican Texas congressman Ron right. Paul, yeah. Yeah, so what did you think? Well, um, so, you know, first of all, it was kind of interesting uh, that I got this thing together in like a week and I didn't really have to do anything. I just said on the show, I want to talk to this guy, and, <laughs> and it happened. That, that, would, that to me was a big... Uh, a big oh wow, and I don't know what it means says about him, his campaign, or or my show, or podcasting, or whatever alternative media in general. But I thought that that was cool, just as it is. Um, was but talk- he on Skype? No, he was on a, on a landline. I, I did it on Skype though. Okay. Did you not like the quality? No, I was I, I was I, I was thinking he was on Skype, and I'm going to myself or thinking to myself, huh. That's pretty weird. If a guy's on Skype, then he's, a, you know, I, I just don't see congressmen as being that savvy about anything. Yeah, and, and I asked him a couple questions, you know, about uh, net neutrality and some other Internet-related things. And it's kind of hard to gauge how savvy he is. First of all, he's a very smart guy in general. I mean, and, and very, very, um, he's a good communicator, knows how to uh, uh how to be uh, an interviewee. I loved it when he, when he, you know, you could hear his, um, his aide, it was probably uh, uh, Jesse, you know, whispering something in his ear, which actually wasn't a whisper because I heard it quite clearly. And then, you know, and then Paul goes, Ron Paul goes, uh, let me just suggest something else to you. Um, I have a couple more minutes. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> All right, let me get this folder scruncher in there real quick. <laughs> Well, that's a shame that people have to do that all the time now. So anyway, I, I made notes on the. Uh, I listened to the the interview and I made a bunch of notes. Okay. And uh, I'm going to go over a few of them with you. Cool. Uh, one is your, your you insisted on calling him Doctor Ron as though he's like a disc jockey. I know. I thought that, 
<laughs> I thought but, that was highly funny. Well, I'm glad you like that because I, I, I like giving people names, you know, because you know, we've got comic strip blogger, we've got uh, prolific programmer, and Dr. Ron. In fact, all medical doctors who I, who I meet, I call Dr. Ron, or doctor at least. If they, not if they're Pete, I call him Dr. Pete, but um, I'm glad you like that. He didn't seem to mind. Well, you know, he told you to call him Ron, but you said, I'm going to rather call you Dr. Ron. And he said, eh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, but doesn't it sound much better? You know, Dr. Ron, it, it has a, it's a, you know, it's a German thing, actually. Um, if you are a professor oh, right, or you're exactly. a doctor That's in Germany. That. Now, so why I want to, since people are going to, you know, if they're going to start listening to the show, they might as well realize a couple of things here. One of them is that, that I'm an American and Adam is technically an american but he is a european and uh-huh. so one of the reasons we want to do the show is so we can kind of bring some cultural uh, st- togetherness out there, there. You go. i'm a to world you. citizen john not just a european you're what a world citizen yeah world citizen. that's what that's what Europe. guys like you like to call yourselves <laughs> yes yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> fuck go, you <laughs> go to go go to china and, and use that and see how far you get <laughs> okay so when they when they arrest you that is so uh, anyway, so I was I got the biggest kick out of this Doctor Ron. You and you ran it through the whole show. You always you know when you brought his name, it was always Doctor Ron. Well, yeah, but but that but that's logical because I I need you know because um, if and I watch a lot of interviews and a lot of things he's done and and people are always addressed. You know, everyone has a way to address someone um, in in the media landscape, right? And so uh, with him, it's like Doctor Ron Paul, Congressman Paul. You know, the whole Ron Paul like two first names is kind of weird to start with. So. I just felt it would be easier if I just called him Dr. Ron because then I knew I wouldn't, you know, be stumbling over uh, uh, c- c- Congressman R- R- uh, Paul, you know. Right, right, right. Yeah, the two first names thing. Yeah, it's, it's like a Hollywood name from the 30s. <laughs> so anyway, then the other thing I, I wrote down on this little notepad of mine was um, <laughs> people should go back there and listen to this interview uh, again because Adam, I think he spends about four and a half hours kissing the guy's ass and chatting before he even lets Paul speak one word. Yeah, you know, people mention that to me, and, and I'm like... And, and <laughs> I'll but, bet they did. But, you know, it's like, here's what I didn't do. I didn't interrupt the guy continuously. All I wanted was to just hear what he had to say. We had agreed that, you know, I would just... You know, and that's what I wanted. You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to throw something at you, talk about it, until you stop talking. So I figured I'd get on my talking up front. I was very sincere, by the way, about, uh, about what I said at the beginning. Uh, Seems so. And, yeah, I, I meant that. Uh, and and also uh, this guy and it was very clear at the end he doesn't know what my show is about he doesn't know who I am you know so I got to give the guy a little bit of background right because you just can't count on anyone else to do that that's why I did it okay well here's what I, let me, I'm going to read from my notepad if you want to know what what I wrote down as mm-hmm. this was going on all right long ass kissing moment. <laughs> And then, th- then the next line is, when does Paul actually talk? <laughs> uh, it was only two minutes. <laughs> well, two minutes, you know, is, could be an uh, Well, eternity. I'm sorry. I could have gotten your question in. So anyway, you, by the way, you got my questions in. Uh, okay. now, 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 the thing that I admire about this interview, and, I, and I, I, you're probably not aware of the fact that this was an amazing thing that you did, only because nobody ever does it. And it's, it's kind of, it's, on the one hand, it's like, you know, kind of a grammar school 
question. On the other hand, it's like a question is never asked enough. And it's interesting to have somebody from his position explain it. And that's when you you ask the question, like what, in so far as Paul's concerned, or what is he, or, or or you had Paul explain what's the difference between a democracy and a republic? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I thought that was a an educational moment. Uh, I uh, didn't like the way he explained it, actually. Did you he think he did a good job on off. that? Yeah, well, he was correct, but I was really looking for an even simpler answer. Uh, quite honestly, or or a short. I don't know. It, uh, to me, it's like okay, yeah, you explained it, but. Uh, people who don't understand even the fact that America is a republic, uh, I don't think it hit the mark entirely. But that is exactly what I intended to do, John. If I want to debate the guy, I mean, that's easy. I can debate the guy all day long. I think that is, you know, what people are saying. Oh, well, it was a good interview. You know, I learned a lot, but uh, wasn't really explosive. You know, that's exactly what mainstream media tries to do is tries to pull someone out, you know, catch him on his words, get him to say something stupid and then, you know, make it a headline. I just wanted to hear the guy talk. Yeah, no, I, I actually thought that was a great, a great move, and it was something I, I've never seen anybody do. So that was good. Thank you. Now there was a, a bring back troops thing. There was a Cassius Clay, and a, oh uh, no, the armed militia. This was interesting to me because it brought it, the Cassius Clay thing is my notes. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, Paul was talking about how you know we're <laughs> Americans by uh, right. Are supposed to be armed to the teeth, right? For whatever reason, and I'm remind. It reminded me of an anecdote that was uh, interesting, when because when people bring up gun control and things like that, and I'm not a gun control advocate or a non-advocate. I have to say I do like shooting guns, and I like. I have a lot of friends that have collections, and we'll go out to a range and shoot. Yeah, man, it turns John, doesn't it, John? No, it doesn't actually. Oh. It doesn't turn me on, but it's a lot of fun. Okay. Anyway, so. Uh, I'm not like an arsonist. Anyway, <laughs> so I visited the uh, the mansion or the former mansion of the uh, Antebella or the Civil War. Um, I guess he was a, uh, a state officer, Cassius Clay, who was uh, Henry Clay's, I think, his brother. Okay. And Cassius Clay had this place out in, outside of, uh, I think it's outside of Lexington, Kentucky. People are going to start writing, do you don't know anything? But I think it's outside of Lexington. So I went in there, and Cassius Clay is this very famous senator. And he, um, uh, one time, had a cannon, apparently, and he was an abolitionist, which was not popular in the area. And so they tried to, like, fuck with him. Uh, and the locals, and so, and the, including the sheriff and the, and the local uh, police. And he had a cannon in front of his house that he'd fill with uh, shrapnel. And when they came to, you know, either get him or arrest him or harass him or whatever they were going to do, he'd shoot it at him. <laughs> <laughs> Which was his uh, Second Amendment right to being exercised. Exactly. And, you know, eventually they stopped coming over. And uh, he needed to do that, otherwise, you know, bad things were going to happen to him, no thanks to the local authorities. And uh, I've always thought that was like, you know, people moan and groan about assault weapons, all the rest. This guy has like a cannon that he's shooting. Uh, And so so I'm always thinking back on that, like, uh, what would have happened if he didn't have the cannon? So I think there's Uh, lots of modern-day analogies to that story. uh, None that I can think of, but yeah, there probably are. Uh, now, 
by the way, the, the funny story about the about the Cassius Clay uh, house. You know, and Cassius Clay, of course, is who Muhammad Ali. Yeah, named himself was. after, he, right? Yeah. Named, no, no, he named himself Muhammad Ali. He was born Cassius Clay. He was born Clay. Cassius Clay. Oh, okay. Because most of the, a uh, uh, lot of, well, you know, as a lot of uh, famous blacks were named after famous whites. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, a lot of black slaves were named after famous uh, whites and it became a tradition in the black community to name people after famous people. Okay. And so Cassius Clay was named after this guy. Now, the kicker, and anybody who happens to be in the area of Lexington should go check out this. This is actually a very interesting place because, for one thing, there's a, uh, a bunch of uh, little, like, busts that showed, for example, his sister's uh, clothes. And the, these, some of these people during that era in the 1850s were, if they were 4'7", it was a miracle, especially the women. They mm -hmm. weren't getting a lot of vitamin B. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And his, his, his wife was obviously, a, she was a, uh, not his wife, I'm sorry, his, I think it was a sister. This has been years ago when I was over there. His sister was, and I should obviously read something before I do these interviews or these, this show with you. Um, oh, wh why ruin was, the spontaneity, huh? Yeah, right. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the ETA on this point you're about to make. <laughs> I'm getting there. So anyway, the uh, it's a long road. Anyway, so his sis his sister was a woman, you know, uh, activist. <laughs> when you start to see the pictures of her and all her friends, you could tell she was kind of um she was a lesbian. Uh -huh. It was kind of amusing. But anyway, the story I'm trying to get to, but she was like five, four foot two or something. They had a like a thing of, you know, like where the clothes she wore. She couldn't have been bigger than a, a 12-year-old. Now, I bet she had a huge ass cannon. She might have. Anyway, so I'm looking around this house, and there's an, there is a, um, a newspaper article about a famous African who came to visit Kentucky, and he visited the house, and he met with Cassius Clay. And his name was Muhammad Ali. Wow. Yeah, that's what I thought. And so I was like, wow, that's cool. And I'm, now I'm thinking that like Cassius Clay himself, the boxer, may, you know, because he... He'd heard the story, and he named himself Muhammad Ali. He may have actually visited this museum mm -hmm. and saw that name. So that's a cool name. Because there's a weird connection there that I, that's never been explained to me. That's the story. Oh, John, I, I am so happy you told me that story. Well, the funny thing about that, anyway, your interview triggered my thoughts on that story. Okay. So that was the Second Amendment question. Which I actually felt he answered really well um, and, and responded uh, kind of the way I'd expected when I said, well, you know, do we have to defend ourselves from internal uh, dangers yet? And he's like, well, that's what I'm trying to avoid. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, he's, um, he's, uh, he's like an inch away from thinking it might be something we have to think about. But we don't have cannons anymore. No, they've been taken away. And by the way, uh, I, I have stuff that's pretty pretty powerful mojo yeah yeah yeah. i got a japanese machine gun <laughs> <laughs> i have no i have no uh no bullets yeah. but i, I got the machine yeah, I gun make bullets for it's the got japanese a bayonet machine. on it <laughs> a, a machine gun with a bayonet yeah it's really weird it's, 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 it's not this is a stationary machine gun. this is like the one you carry around like a yeah, Tommy yeah, and you have a, tie, a tripod. It kind of folds out. Uh, the there's a tripod on the front, and then there's a like a stick thing in the back, and it's a belt-fed system. My grandfather uh, took out a machine nest in the South Pacific and brought it home in pieces. 
Huh. Yeah. So anyway, he went. That was fascinating. So um, <laughs> the uh, then you got him into the thoughtful pregnancy story. Wow. Yeah. That was interesting. I, I thought that was quite good. Well, the, so my my takeaway from that was that. Um, Yes, so with right comes responsibility, I guess is what he's saying. And even the unborn fetus has a right to life. So you have no right to remove that, even though you have the remite, the, the, the right to add, put into or remove anything you want from your body. But not if you kill, and what he's saying is another human being. Uh, therefore, um, you need to respect your responsibility for having sex, which I thought was okay. That you some kind of point is made there, but then he kind of gave an out, which I thought was interesting, by saying, "Well, you know, if you can't prove a crime was committed, i.e., uh, um, if you terminate a pregnancy, I, I don't know, like first no, trimester yeah, no, or right. whatever. You know, if you can't prove it, then you can't prove it." So that was kind of his out, which was was weird. It seemed to me like he was talking a lot about late term pregnancy, and you know, and I'm sure this goes deep into the whole Roe versus Wade. I, I, my head hurts just thinking about it. I don't know if we can actually resolve this. Well, you know, I th- I thought it was interesting because he didn't take it from a religious perspective. Even though he is very religious. Yeah, well, I mean, he's obviously re- re-engineered his thinking. Mm. But the th- but I've never heard anyone actually, I don't know why, uh, maybe I'm not listening, which is possible. Uh, I don't know anyone who's actually, he took it from a constitutional perspective. That right. this, you know, person, which exists at some point, uh, has constitutional rights, has got nothing to do with religion. And if we're going to, you know, be a strict constitutionalist, we have to give them their rights, even though they're inside some woman. Right. Well, that's that was what I asked him to do, of course. You know, let's talk about each issue and, and take it down to the Constitution, which is what he's running on. As far you know, that's it. It's like he, he just every... And you know what, John? I don't see anyone... I look I look at these debates. I don't see anyone challenging him what he said. He says some pretty radical and opposing things to, you know, in the GOP debate. Um, but no, no one ever calls him on it he just says these amazing things <laughs> and and draws it right down to the constitution everyone's like okay I might as well shut up because you can't argue it yeah i think they've all they, they, they're doing their best to marginalize the guy they don't yeah, need a guy exactly. like that really. yeah that's exactly what's happening i agree now the other one that was interesting which we talked about before you had the interview which was the ralph nader yeah um, that was your idea you, you heard i got it in there right yeah and he avoided it uh claiming that it had nothing to do with it well he said no he said um i wrote it down uh i, I don't know it for personal reasons is what he said and then he said yeah it would just be too much too much energy i've tried it before it won't work you know he says yep. if, if i'm not running republican then i can't even get into these types of debates it sounded you know, that, and i i even said like you know this is a 72 year old guy you know he knows that running as an independent unless you have i don't think he actually locked it out but unless you have some kind of incredible groundswell which is just unbelievable you know I, i'm sure he could be convinced if uh, if it was very clear that he actually had a shot at winning as an independent yeah he he's done he's he's done this the homework he knows that you know that in the past the closest anyone's ever ever come is uh teddy roosevelt ran under the bull moose party not really a great name for a party uh and then, of course, um, we had you know, Ralph Nader more recently, and then uh, Ross Perot had a shot. Mm-hmm. But Ross kind of drove himself out of the election because he felt that, you know, somebody, he claims that somebody came up, knocked on his door, and showed him 
photos or something. I mean, he, he has this weird story that he's never really... Yeah, I remember uh, that. Yeah, I do remember. He was like, you know, i got to protect my family and my privacy. And uh, wasn't that it? Didn't he... Absolutely. Yeah, there was some somebody knocked on the door. Yeah, and it sounds like a government agency that said, "Look, get out of this thing because here's what's going to happen if you don't." Yeah, they threatened him. Yeah, somebody, which you know may or may not be true. But it's possible it could have been a bluff, could have been any number of things. But uh, well, knows? well, e- either way, he didn't deserve to be president because if you're going to pussy out because of that, then I'm sorry. You know, that, that's a that's the job that uh, you, you know you. You can be killed if you have that job. No doubt about it. You got to know that going yeah. in. So, and if he copped out, job. yeah. And if he copped out by, actually, I was going to ask him that. I fucking, I didn't get to it. I wanted to ask him if he feared for his life, um, you know, be, because he has such opposing and and sometimes viewed as you know that radical viewpoints, or people see that as radical, or you know, and if he actually catches the worst thing, of course, is you know the shit's working. So, I was going to ask him if he was worried. You know about his own personal safety, as you know he's basically gaining traction, and you know could um, obscure other people from uh, from all the attention. Uh, that would have been a good question. Yeah. Um, Sorry. I think everybody out there should. Uh, well, that's okay. I don't think he's got that much traction. I think uh, people out there should. If you want to read something interesting, especially the European audience, uh, read Confessions of an Economic Hitman. A, a, a kind of an interesting uh, tale. We don't know whether how much of it's true or not, but it has uh, a lot of uh, so many elements of truth that it's a very interesting book, to say the least. Hmm. It's also available on tape. Anyway, um, but yeah, overall, I thought you did a great job. It was a, it, it was a fascinating uh, interview, and I've never heard anyone do a really long interview with a guy like that. Well, you never do, and and or you'll hear. I mean, man, have you ever listened to like Newsweek online? Or there's so many of these these uh, radio news programs, you know, NPR type stuff. And what I hear all the time, and it really bugs the hell out of me because you know, once you tune into it and you you know, you're uncondition your mind. What you hear is they did a really, you know, a producer did a really long interview with someone, and then right. they'll chop it into bits, and then they'll have the host ask questions. You know, and it'll sound like, well, let me ask you about the Second Amendment, Dr. Ron Paul. What is your viewpoint on this? And then you can clearly hear the answer from a conversation being cut in, you know. You never step on each other, and sometimes you can almost hear the edits. And I despise that because, you know, you can... Look, it's like reality television. You could build a story and, and, and put in answers any way you want. So this was completely unedited from beginning to get to, to end. Um, and I, yeah, well, I'm glad you liked it because if only we could get this type of uh, conversation or information or just impression from all of the candidates. That would be really nice. But the media in general just doesn't make it that way anymore. You know, another thing you mentioned when you, you you talk about that kind of thing is the is the pre-interview, uh, which is what a lot of people like to do. I and you and I, I know for I know you don't like them. I don't no. like them. I've always thought that they were a bad idea. Which is another word. You get the person on, and you you interview them before they actually do the show, and they talk themselves out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and particularly, and this is what I hate the most is if. You have a funny moment in the pre-interview, and you're laughing, and then you try to recreate that by asking the same question, and it's just not funny. The timing's not there. It's blown. Yeah, it never works. It never, ever works. In fact, before we started this, you called me on Skype, and you you said, hey, you know what? And I said, no, don't tell me. I don't want to hear it. What was it, by the way, you wanted to tell me? 
I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, and if I had told you, I would, you know, I would have thought. See, the problem with that people don't get out there when they, you know, immediate people. And you, when I, when you do a lot of interviews with other hosts and, and people, you have there are the two schools of thought. In fact, uh, there's Larry King has one of the more interesting schools of thought. Although you, you know now he's basically a celebrity interviewer. But when I used to do his radio show, I did it three or four times. And the first time he come on his show, and I always kind of, you know, I kind of admired some of his techniques, even though some people would say, "Well, that's just a, being lazy." Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe to some extent. But one of the things is when he, if you, the first time you do a Larry King show, at least used to be in the radio, uh, Larry didn't want to meet you. He didn't want to talk to you. He didn't want to read your book. <laughs> and the reason, and the reason was for not wanting to read the book or even seeing a copy was he figured nobody out there in the audience read the book, so why? So let's start talking about it as though you're some guy who just met on the street. Yeah. Uh, so let's start from square zero. Yeah. And um, I always thought that was actually a pretty interesting technique. And, and, the, and then the other thing, with the, with, and I've been on shows where they want to pre-interview, and they ask you every question they're going to ask. Half the time, it never ends up on the show anyway. And then when you've asked it, there's a real problem people don't realize is that when you've just talked about something and you're you're in a complicated interview situation you're not absolutely sure that you just told the guy that and you don't want to repeat yourself yeah so but in so, fact yeah, exactly told him right. in the pre-interview yeah you, you see that on uh, the tonight show all the time jay leno man th- that guy you know he forgets if he ever gets stuck, you know, in in, in an interview process, say, now wasn't there a, like a really interesting story about uh, your dog or something that I heard exactly. about? You know, it's like fuck you. That was for, that was written on your piece of paper, and the 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 the, the producer said, uh, hey, she's got a really cool story about her dog. You got to ask it. Yeah, no, it's really lame. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know that they they have to pre-interview. Both Letterman and Leno have to do a lot of pre-interviews with the guests because they have a lot of actors and people on these shows that really are have no personalities, and, yeah. and many times they don't know um, whether they're going to be good or not on the show. So they do a, they usually beat them up in the pre-interview, and uh, then they unfortunately they, when the real interview comes out, unless the person's got a lot of personality, they they're talked out already, and they come. I mean, you see numerous people that you've never seen before. You've always wanted to see them, and you realize why well, they never get on talk shows is because they haven't got anything to say. Yeah, well, when I said when this interview got set up, and I spoke to the communications director, I said, you know, please, you really have got to let you know uh, Dr. Ron. Uh, listen to my show, at least some of it, just so you understand. You know, it's going to be really different, and I want him to. You know, I don't want him to be unprepared, uh, and particularly because you know there's a lot of fuck yous in there. Like that'd be funny, and uh, and he said, yeah, no, no, I'll be on the plane with him, and uh, I'll put it on my iPod, and uh, and I'll put the headphones on so he can listen to it. And I said, okay, look, there's only one thing I guarantee you I'm going to ask, and I really it would be it's cool. You know, this is part of part of the culture of my show and my audience is the scruncher folder thing. And I, and I set it up and he said, Oh yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I'll certainly tell him about it. Well, he clearly hadn't told the guy, you know, I was like, come on. <laughs> and it's like, and I'm like, maybe I can get some information out of it. You know, as a medical doctor, can you tell me, is it better to fold or scrunch? And then Mr. Constitutionalist comes back with, you know, it's your body. <laughs> you should do whatever you want with it. I'm like, all right. Yeah, that's an answer. That's what I'm going to use for an answer when somebody brings it up. I'm sure he's a scruncher. I know it. I know it for sure. You can just see it. You can see it in his face. (laughs) Uh, You you have anything more on the Ron Paul thing? Because I got one thing for you. Okay, go. I know I'm done. Yeah, okay, good. 
Um, I I read something on uh, your blog. Uh, hold on, let me just find it. It was about uh, uh, thought crimes. Oh yeah, yeah, isn't that unbelievable? Yeah, you just got you just got to tell that story because that blew me away when I read that. Well, there's a a, a bill. Uh, I think it's HR 1955. That uh, was just been passed, with the exception, I think only three Democrats and three Republicans voted against it. I don't know. It's early for me. I just got up. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, so they, they they actually passed this bill, HR 1955. You can look it up and go to the blog and check it out, Dvorak.org/blog. There it is. And, and read it. And, yeah, thank you. <laughs> and uh, it's an actual. If you read between the lines, this is a, it's a thought crimes. Bill, it's a bill that don't doesn't want you to have any, you know, philosophy. Let's put it this way: if right now you and I, the if, government, if you and I were talking and we and we say, hey, you know, man, we have the right to bear arms. You know, we we should uh, we should go fucking blow the government away. You know, they're the bad guys. Just that conversation, particularly, I think the internet is even mentioned specifically in the bill. Doing that, I think, might even be illegal. Yeah. That's fucked well, actually, up. <laughs> I, I think Ron Paul actually... In yeah, he voted against came, it. I checked it. He voted against it. Well, he voted against it, but he in the interview with you, I think he came within a, a hair of actually violating that law if it was actually a law. Yeah. Right now, it's just a bill. But, so that means it's passed Congress. It's passed, yeah, the House. So the Senate has to have, uh, you know, either approve it or do their version, and then the president has to sign off on it. But with, with the kind of majority, both parties saying this is a great idea. Yeah, that, that blew uh, me away. I mean, did, did these guys read this fucking bill? Or did that someone uh, just say, hey, this is what this is about, man. You just vote yes on this. You know, see, I mean, how does that work? I, I don't understand it. I don't. I think they're spending too much time with either, you know, at, at parties with lobbyists, you know, collecting money. I, I don't know what 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 they're thinking. The, only, the, the six people, which I should probably put in a blog posting, who voted against it, seem to be the only people who either read it or maybe these other guys think it's a good idea, which I really can't that, believe. Yeah, that that would really be frightening. You got. I mean, I it's funny because I went. To, I saw it come through on what Google Reader, and so I went to the blog because you know, of course, you don't get. Uh, you don't get full uh, articles from your RSS feed. And you want me to tell you why? No. Um, okay. So I went over, you know, so of course I click on the link, I go over, then I got to click again because I get your ad. Uh, so I finally get to the story. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, there was a, a very thoughtful link there to, um, uh, to the bill. And uh, I guess there was another story about it that it linked to. And from there you could, you know, you could by state see which uh, each representative uh, who would voted yes, yay or or no? And I'm like, you know, I'm I'm gonna remember some of these names, man. That, that's messed up. It's pretty pretty pathetic, but you know that's the way things are right now. Mm. So uh, yeah, well, that's a good call. Let me give you one. You know, one of the things I've noticed over the past uh, few days is that people, especially in Europe, are you know they say, oh, you're in California, how the fires? Yeah, and. Uh, the fires are terrible, but the fires are nowhere around here. They do, people don't realize that California is around 600 plus or miles from one end to the other, maybe more. And it's right. 450 miles from where I am to the fires because San Francisco and Los Angeles area is pretty long ways. It's from, I don't know, what's the distance from uh, Wales to London? I uh, think it's less A couple, couple hundred miles maybe? Yeah, so I mean, it's further than like that. that. You know, it's like going to Scotland, I guess. Yeah, 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 probably like that. 
Well, and, you know, here, uh, here when, when shit was happening up north, people in London didn't know about, you know, people were drowning. Their, their homes were floating away, and it was, you know, only up north, and they didn't know. I mean, so imagine if you're in uh, San Francisco versus San Diego. San Diego is, what, a good hour's flight on a, on a, on a commercial flight? About hour 15. Yeah, so that's about 400 miles. Well, it's about five, almost 500 to San Diego. Mm-hmm. It's a long ways away. Uh, but people, you know, they don't understand that. I, why should they? Nobody in the world seems to have a sense of geography. But the, the fires are, you know, this is something I don't think a lot of people realize either. They got a lot of publicity, I know, in, in England for sure and, and much of Europe. But they happen every year. Uh, they just uh, this is just the worst it's ever been. But every year, a good portion of Southern California and sometimes the Northern California or Northern California too, not as much, but we get we get fires up here. Yeah, and then, and then you fires get the, happen. Then you get the mudslides. I'm sorry. They, after that, you get the mudslides. <laughs> right, it's a combination. So uh, these happen every year. There's you know we have lots of acreage to burn, and they burn them. And uh, they get put them out as best they can, and then they these these areas turn into mud, and then they right we have mudslides after that, and they, that becomes news. But much of it's localized. But when they have such a fiasco like what's going on or what's finishing up, we have so many fires all over the place in the whole areas, and you have to evacuate. I think they had to evacuate close to a half a uh, no, like a, a million a, people. They're saying over here. Yeah, it's like a half a million. Oh, they're saying a million here. Well, it could be a million, but I, you know, I'm finding it hard to believe they they even evacuated five hundred thousand because, yeah. where did these people go? Yeah, yeah I don't know. And uh, the the traffic down there is already you can't drive in normal circumstances. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what a point there. Damn. I mean, I don't know what uh, what was. It must have been a, just a nightmare. But okay. anyway, just I wanted to we, we mention got, that. I want maybe like five more minutes, and then we'll be at 40 minutes. Let me just ask you uh, uh, one question. Your, uh, your take on um, the now approved by the Writers Guild of America strike. I don't hear anyone talking about this, but I, I think it actually will be a pretty big deal. You know about this, John? A little bit. Uh They're always, you know, they go on strike every few years, actually. Well, but this is the, the big one, right? <sighs> This is the big. This is the group that counts. Yeah, this is the big one, and it's about uh, residuals for internet usage, and clearly stuff that's you know almost impossible to figure out in, in, in any time frame. I'm sure. Yeah, you know the writers uh, guilds of all of the different writers unions uh, have been kind of on the wrong side of the argument for a lot of this stuff, but at the same time, you know they're thinking, well, you know, when TV first started, we had a lot of writers doing a lot of work, and there were no residuals of any sort, and then these things went into some sort of syndication that was sort of like pre-syndication era, and then the, everyone was making money, but the people who actually did the shows, and then they came up with you know some residual concept after the fact, because there's still a lot of shows that, that get passed around uh, <clears throat> in syndicates that nobody's getting any money out of, as opposed to something like Law and Order or some of the newer things that are covered. Right. And so they, so I think it's a defensive thing. They're a little freaked out about the Internet because, you know, IPTV may have some impact on how the money's distributed. And the idea is they don't want these producers or the companies that own, you know, the rights to distribute this stuff finding new ways to distribute without paying these guys. And so they take a very conservative look at the Internet, and you know they just soon say no to everything because yeah. they're, they're just worried or sick about getting screwed again. 
And from what I understand, uh, the producers and the networks are all like, you know, we got a pretty shitty season anyway. So these these guys are going to strike. You know, why don't we just let them strike and we'll just, you know, we'll get six more episodes out of everyone and then fuck them. You know, then we'll then we'll do reruns and make them the bad guy. Uh, yeah, I guess. Or maybe they get scabs to write. I'm not sure what they're going to do, but uh, that would be funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> strike, strike, uh, you know, it's all online. I mean, you couldn't even find it. Actually, the strikers could actually be, be working on the yeah, side. Yeah, scabs, absolutely. Uh, you bet they uh, will. Writers, I mean, you damn writers. With, with, yeah, no, with the, with the internet and all, you could uh, do a lot of work without ever having to go in anywhere. Yeah, just like Wikipedia. There you go. <laughs> Just sit at home and write it. <laughs> so I don't know what's so you know I don't know what's going to happen with that with that thing. I mean a lot of this stuff's already in the can. There's a you know it's it's a, it's a strange business that's for sure. Damn straight. All right, John. Um, this was the first of what I hope will be many chats in our no, no agenda. agenda. No agenda. Yeah, three four topics sounds about about right. Maybe if we do it once a week, yeah, we might, might work. I don't out. think. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I don't think we. Uh, I don't think. We can sustain this length because sometimes, I mean, the the, uh, the interview you had with Dr. Ron was mm-hmm. worth discussing for a while. Yeah, true. Okay, so we'll, we'll see. But this, I would say, I agree, this is maybe a little bit on the long side, but just underneath, you know, 40 minutes is pretty much the max, I think. Yeah, I agree. All right, my friend, I'll see you, uh, well, maybe we'll do it in person next week in California. I think I'm out uh, Thursday or Friday. That'd be good. All right. Cool. All right. Uh, Don't hang up. Let me end the show. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Good idea. Noagenda.podshow.com. Oh, crap. I fucked it up already. Here we go. Bye. Another Podshow podcast. Stick it in your ear. The best and the brightest. Served up daily by the sharpest minds in content delivery, podshow, and limelight. 